body in front of him. Trying to look, he throws it alley. Oh! Welcome into the Just Basketball Show. I am Chris Manning. That is Brennan Clean. If you haven't already, subscribe or follow on your podcast platform of choice. Five-star reviews only. Hit that subscribe button on our Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel as well. Uh, big show today. Damian Lillard has finally asked out. James Harden also wants out, but like maybe he's going to stay. Lord knows what's going on there. We're going to go through our surprising free agency moves and extensions, and we're going to pick... Best lineups for Team USA now that we know the roster. Brendan, I want to first tell everyone about our friends at Homage. If you don't know, Homage is the ultra-comfortable specialty apparel company that uses vintage-inspired designs to match the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. They have a ton of great merch. NBA, WNBA, Nickelodeon, NFL, MLB, all of those and more. You can click the link in our bio uh, on or this podcast description or on YouTube. Some of them on you, if you go buy something for yourself on this 4th of July, they think they have a sale right now as well. It goes back to the Just Basketball show. So please do that. All right, Brendan, let's start with Dame Lillard. This is where I want to frame this because everyone can talk about the packages that Miami could offer, or Brooklyn could offer, or should the Spurs get involved or whatever. This, this is what I, I, my brain has gone. It seems like he really would prefer Miami to everything else. Based on what we have read, Miami is Dame's preferred destination. It feels to me like this is now on Miami to get enough stuff to make Portland happy. I agree. I think that honestly, the, the Kevin Durant sweepstakes from last year tell you all you need to know about what's playing out right now. In my opinion, anything you hear at this point should be heard under the assumption that both Miami and Portland know that more likely than not, Lillard is going to the heat. And so whatever you're hearing is negotiating tactics between those two teams. So when you initially hear from Woj that Joe Cronin intends, the GM over there intends to work with Lillard, that means we know he wants to go to Miami. When you hear him say to Woj via statement or whatever it is, you know, we're no longer doing that. That means give us more, right? Like that's kind of, everything that's happening here. And I think history tells us, and we talked about this with the Durant thing when the trade happened shortly after we started doing this show, when a superstar wants to go somewhere, there has never been a time in this era of player empowerment that he has not ended up where he wants to go. In the case of Kawhi Leonard, it took like an extra year. That's the longest like route we've ever seen it take, but they always end up where they want to go. And so I agree with you completely that the thing that's holding this up now is not only is Hero just not that appealing of a centerpiece when you look at Mikhail Bridges or some of the guys, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, that have gone over in these mega traits, even like Walker Kessler, frankly, Lowry Markkinen in the Gobert deal. Yeah, I was going to say, Mar- yeah, Markkinen, Markkinen becoming like an all-NBA yeah. caliber forward in the Mitchell trade is like, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Tyler Hero. He's not going to become... No. at all NBA guard like overnight here. Yeah, and that's what I think is holding this up because he's he's a just not that appealing of a of a centerpiece anyway, but he's also he just like doesn't fit with the Trailblazers, right? That that's just kind of the weird part of this is that they just happen to have guards and wings and that's not really something that they would have much use for is one one of those that's already getting paid 27 29 31 million dollars. So I agree that's what this is. You and I have been texting about hero destinations. I came up with three more that we haven't texted about. Do you want to dive into those right now or like go through some of the other stuff first? 
No, I, I would just, the only thing I'll say is I think the number one hero team to me, if we wanted to get, like, have it kind of make some sense, just in terms of they have a lot of picks and, like, hero would be a nice fit for them, would be New Orleans. That would be the one that I kind of jumps out to me. But, like, even finding a deal there is, we, like, this is weird. Hero's, like, at a weird salary slot for what he is. And, like, how, what is the appropriate pick value for Tyler Hero? Like, I could see negotiations between, you know, the front office in Miami and David Griffin falling apart just because it's hard for me to say this is what Tyler Hero is exactly worth. But give, give me your teams. Let's let's go through them. Yeah, I like New Orleans. I, I think you and I were going back and forth with it. And it's like they don't have a lot of big salaries that aren't stars. Number one. Number two, one of those salaries is Jonas Valanciunas, which is very similar to Yusuf Nurkic, who is kind of his own holdup in this whole thing, which we can get to. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I'm not sure how many of their young guys they're going to want to part with. I'm not sure how realistic it is. Is trading CJ McCollum for Tyler Hero really that much of an improvement? And I think the part of it, too, when you're thinking about Hero in general is how much better is he going to get? It's just there's not a track record of this type of guy improving dramatically. Like, it just doesn't happen very often that somebody who comes into the league with this type of profile where... He's really a scoring guard. He's already won sixth man of the year, and that kind of tells you all you need to know about him. Is that type of guy somebody who you can bank on getting better? Maybe as a passer, maybe, you know, he rounds out his scoring game a little bit. He's already a pretty elite shooter, but that's just sort of what he is. I don't think he's going to get better defensively is really the biggest thing. He's small, right? Um, can, I, can, I, can I play one uh, devil's advocate thing here? Sure. I wonder if there is a part of this with Hero where we are maybe undervaluing him a little bit just because the Heat went on this run without him in the playoffs. I understand some of that, like simplified what they were doing, and like he is a defensive liability to some degree, right? Like I think that's like a real a real thing. I think maybe like we are undervaluing kind of what he is considering he just was out for a while and the team he's on like one on run. I think like sometimes like we can broadly speaking, we can apply like causation to someone being out. And I don't always think that's fair to the player that's out. Right. Like, like there's people that would argue like, Oh, the Cavs in the LeBron era were worse without, were better without Kevin Love. That was never really true. Right. Like that, that, so that, that's a part of this. that is stuck in my mind a little bit is that are we maybe collectively undervaluing hero a little bit because he was out for the certain time yeah. and is someone out there going to look at him and say that's a guy I actually really like and I can do something with him yeah and I think that's valid I mean like I, my test on defense especially is always like have you survived on good defensive teams if you if you're out there and a coach that wants to put its best defensive lineup out there or its best overall lineup out there includes you in that then like what am I going to say to, to honestly, one of those that ended up kind of playing out over time in the positive direction with Duncan Robinson, who's also on this Heat team, where it's like, we've seen it work. So I don't think Hero is some sort of lost cause. He's also not on a max contract. He's paid a little less than some of the worst contracts out there. So I don't think it's egregious. I, I really do just think this is somewhat of a Portland thing. So I have the Grizzlies for Brandon Clark and Luke Kennard. So he basically fills that slot of kind of what Kennard did for them after he came over at the deadline. And we saw him make a decent impact for them in the playoffs. Even Um, he's a even worse defender than hero in my opinion. So maybe that's actually an Mm -hmm. upgrade for them. Uh, Maybe they have to throw some other picks or something in there that would go to Portland too. the magic, which I think I've heard other people say that would be something like Jonathan Isaac, Cole Anthony, 
and Chumo Kiki or whatever other young guy you want to put in there. And that's sort of like a, the, the thing that Anthony has kind of been doing for them as a bench scorer, you just get an upgrade on that and you're not having to send out too much. And then the last one I had was the Celtics for Malcolm Brogdon and Peyton Pritchard, which is pretty uh-huh. straightforward. You're just consolidating some of those guards. We know they've been shopping Brogdon already. Boston probably has to include a pick in that. Um, but, you know, maybe Pritchard actually does make sense for Portland or maybe Brogdon goes to Portland and he's an expiring contract anyway. And maybe he's a buyout guy or something like that. I think those make sense because all three of those trades are taking back shorter term salary and less guard type of players who are expensive. And maybe that makes sense for the the Blazers to get some of that. Maybe even some of that goes to the heat and then uh, hero going to the the team that that's mentioned there. Do any, either of those three seem better, worse? What's the best one in your mind? I like the Boston one, Brendan. Cost is would, would be the concern there for me, right? Because Boston's payroll is already really high. You know, they, they're going to assumedly give Jalen Brown this, like, crazy high extension. You know, that hasn't happened yet, but, like, we kind of just have thought that's going to happen, right? Um, you know, look, I, I am really curious to see just what Boston's kind of plans are. But Hero, in terms of getting it, that would be a win for him because it's another good situation, and they would have the defensive infrastructure for him to really succeed. That part of it, I, I'm a really big fan of in, in that sense because I think it would give him the room to be himself while having not, you know, it's it's lesser defensive guards now because you only have one of the three guys they had last year in this hypothetical, yeah, but you still have true. Tatum and Brown and Derek White. And that's like a ton of defensive cover to put Hero on a stationary shooter or something like that. You could easily hide him pretty well. and And they have, you know, like Porzingis and... Time Lord and, and Horford, like they have a good defensive infrastructure there. And the scheme is going to, it's, we would think with Porzingis coming in and some of the guard changes, they might not switch as much next year, which yeah. I think is good for Hero. So like, I, I would love the Boston fit for him um, in terms of like what would emphasize him and what he's good at helping him win basketball games and contribute to winning basketball games. I love that. And it would, it would give uh, it would give just Boston one other person to maybe kind of help their offense get out of the mud sometimes. So that would be the one to me that I I would really like if they wanted to go all in and you know take a page from the Suns and say what's it what's a what's an apron? Screw the aprons. Yeah, that you is know, true. Who needs an apron? That is that is valid. I mean, in that in that context, they're basically sending out as much as they're taking in. But the difference is. Heroes under contract long-term, which I think is another complicating factor. But yeah, I like the Boston one too. I feel like all your points are well-made. I feel they also, you know, if they're sending out Pritchard, they got to get another white dude in there. That's just a Boston a Boston <laughs> rule. I mean, you know, they, they also, can't go too I, long I, without I, at least a few. I like Pritchard. I think he's going to like end up somewhere and be like a pretty decent like energy guard for some team who gets him in port. Like Portland maybe isn't the... If it's Portland or Miami or whatever, I I would be curious to just see like what that would how that could kind of appeal to him. I guess I guess my question with the Boston one is: Do you think that gets Miami enough stuff to then reroute to Portland to get Dame? Well, I honestly, I my thing with the hero part of it is I'm not even. I think the fact that he doesn't fit there, and that's the reason I emphasize that it's partially a fit problem, is more of the issue than just like is there enough stuff. I don't know what else another team is giving up that's going to blow the heat offer out of the water so much that Portland is willing to take the PR hit of not sending Dame where he goes. Like, 
uh, where he wants to go. So I don't know if it's so much a like Miami needs to make its offer better thing as it is a Miami needs to make an offer that makes more sense for the Trailblazers thing. That's kind of where I see it. So yeah. it, Boston, you know, it, I guess then Pritchard goes there. He's also a guard. Maybe not. I think I, I mentioned I would imagine Boston has to send out a, a pick in that situation. That pick would probably go to the Blazers. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, I don't think any three of these are making I don't think any of these three are making the Heat's offer much better, to be honest with you. And that that's part of the issue here. And I think that's why there's a little bit of a stalemate happening. Yeah, and and if I'm Portland, to bring it back, I can't. I you know we're bringing this back to a place of use Nurkic, I guess, or just I am. Mm-hmm. I kind of would want another. T- they don't have like a center to like step in and really like be a center for them, but they could go get some veterans on the for minimums and fill out the roster and stuff. They need to. I would want Nurkic as like a tax for one of these other. T- getting off his money to me would be worth something. I don't know if it's worth like a first, but it's worth like a second or two, right? Yeah. And maybe that could help the price. Nurkic also just doesn't feel like someone that. Miami really has a need for is the thing. You know, they signed Thomas Bryant. They have Bam. Kevin Love. Like, do they? Yeah. Nur- they have Kevin Love. Like, they don't need Nurkic. Like, where, where's the Nurk? Is like, is Nurkic even able to get rerouted somewhere? Like, another team with cap space? Like, this gets really complicated very quickly. The way that I had it with Nurkic is if I'm Miami, the way I'm looking at this, because mm-hmm. Caleb Martin has been the other kind of sticking point out there, right? Is. Um, Miami just doesn't want to include him, which I actually get because if you look at their roster, like you just mentioned, they're heavy on bigs. They 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 need wings. They need him. They they, they need him. They badly yeah. need they, they, wings and forwards. I mean, Josh Richardson might be starting for this team. Uh, well, and and look, and let's think about this from from like just a regular season management perspective. We know day we know Jimmy is going to miss some time. We just know he is. Yeah, that's going to happen. Dame is thirty three. You probably don't need to put his foot on the gas the whole regular season. They just like need competent bodies so they're not like accidentally like the sixth seed or something, right? Like it. Yes, they just did make the plane and make the finals. I get that, but replicating that over and over again, even if you add someone of Dame's caliber, it's just not like an optimal way to do it. Yeah. It's just really it makes it much much harder on yourself if you go that way. I have one Miami question on that note to close uh, us out on this segment, but. Where I was going with the Nurkic thing is I would be looking at it if I'm the Heat as either I'm taking back Nurkic or I'm including Caleb Martin. That would be kind of like my my negotiating stance if I'm Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg and, and those guys is like, we're fine to take back Nurkic if it means we get Lillard, but you're not also getting Caleb Martin. And look, I know I sound ridiculous. Like if there are any Portland fans listening, I already know they're angry. There's a TikTok going around of a drive-through coffee shop where the guy is just like uh, openly committed. Have you seen this, Chris? The the barista is like wallowing in his misery and has to remember that there's like a line of cars because he's asking like, "Is there any way Lillard comes back?" Just like some random coffee shop. So like, I know this sounds the, old, the all my TikToks, Brendan, are grimace shake TikToks yeah. right now. It's all all it's of, dominating all of the, I, the FYP for sure. There and 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 there is probably a Dame. Portland fan Grimace crossover TikTok to be. If made. there's not, it's about to be. Um, so I get that that sounds ridiculous. Like, but this is a different day and age. And when these guys are expensive, it isn't we get everything. Um, and I guess there's obviously the part of this where do Joe Cronin and Co. are they willing to roll the dice and wait long enough for 
you know, what happened with the Nets and Suns to to happen? Like, is this something that they're going to roll into the into the trade deadline with and say, OK, you really need this now, Miami, like you're going to give us Caleb Martin and you're going to take Nurkic and we're not taking hero and you need to find it like maybe. But that takes a lot of balls, honestly, like that takes a lot of confidence to just say we're going to have our season potentially be wrecked by this just to get what we want especially with the Blazers want to be looked at as good guys. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have more thoughts, but I have one last Miami question. Yeah. Hit me with the last Miami question. Is Miami I, the, I think. Unla- yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it's just unless Portland, if Portland wants to be a villain and I don't think they do, and I don't think they should, they could, this could get, this would be a much more fat, like interesting thing. If they want to just say like bidding wars open, whomever can give us the best thing possible. Dame, you're now a member of the Utah Jets. Dame, you're now playing with shit. Alexander in Oklahoma city. Dame, you're now with San Antonio's, like whatever it is. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's where this ends up. Yeah. If they get one, but we're not going to go there. He's going to, he's going to end up in Miami. I just kind of think that's where this is going to end up. And it's just going to be like 85 cents on the dollar. So on that note, if he does the heat, this is sort of where I would have their rotation. And I'm going to ask you if they would be the favorites in the Eastern conference with this rotation. Okay. Lillard and Lowry. Josh Richardson at kind of the two. Jimmy Butler at the three. I'm assuming, well, I have Caleb Martin and Yusuf Nurkic on here. I, I'm just kind of including them both for yeah, now. But, um, yeah. Martin, Highsmith, and Love. And then Bam, Nurkic, and Bryant. Very heavy on bigs and forwards. Very light on wings. But a lot of star talent and not, a, not an insignificant amount of depth. Are they the favorites over uh, Boston and Milwaukee and, and everyone else? I would say yes, but I would also just bank in the fact that they're probably going to find a wing that we've never heard of that gives them 25 minutes and it's awesome. There's a 40% shooter sitting somewhere in like Iowa that is going to sign with Miami in, in October and be their starting two guard by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah that's that's they, 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 absolutely someone on Sioux Falls last year that like kicked butt and they're just going to like run it up and he's going to be great for them. And then uh, our buddy Aram is going to be like buying his jersey and we're going to be like, Aram, calm down. He's going to be making $25 million in two years. And you're going to be really sick of him. I, it's going to be the Duncan Robinson circle all over again. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think they already signed a couple two-way guys to uh, Jamal Kane. And, and and the like Jamari Bouye, like that guy is going to shoot 55% on threes well, <laughs> for a month. We're assuming they're giving up the, the Jamie Yakez or I'm mispronouncing his name, yeah. I think, but the guy they got from UCLA, correct? I We're would assuming think he's so. going in this trade. I would say him and Jovic both he, are a lock to, to move. Yeah. Cause he, he, I would just be like, Oh, he's probably going to be like competent for them as a rookie. If they could keep him, but like they probably won't be able to keep him. All right, let's go to the other potential top of the East team that might fluctuate in or out of that status, Chris, which is the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, um, <laughs> Brett, I don't have a ton to say about James Harden in this case, and here's why. Okay. This is entirely just like, I'm not super moved by this. Like, I'm not. Like, Harden asking out, and then, like, maybe he gets, like, coerced into staying in some way. Like, the most interesting person in this whole thing to me is Joel Embiid. Hmm. Like that's where I go with this. It's not so much about Harden. Like I think I think LA probably should do this just to like say this is like the logical next step and like what they are and like cashing in on some of their depth and contracts to just say all right, big three, gonna sell some tickets in in the in the new arena. Cool. Yeah. Like I get it. And Harden just wants to get paid. I get it. I I don't understand like 
there's like information missing about like why Harden's like so aggrieved. Yeah, it's nothing. It, like there, there hasn't been a leak about like that. He like there was the leak that uh, we didn't do this in Sop of the Week, but we should have. There was the thing where he was like mad about what Jalen Green said, like about what Jalen Green said about him on Podcast P. Um, okay, like I just like Harden. I'm just sort of like okay, like tell tell me when tell me when this is settled. I just want to know what this means for Embiid next year because if they. Maury can't like trade him for role players and expect them to just be as good. They play Austin Yang. They're going to lose Hardens. The role guys you'd be getting back from, from Philly, like they're good, but are they really elevating Embiid where he needs to go? Like, is is it just banking on Maxi to take a star leap at a certain point? This just gets really complicated for Embiid. Harden, it's like okay, I I let's just see where this ends up in a month, and you you can you he he and I will both like try to enjoy our our summers and our best so to me this feels like harden running out of leverage once and for all i just think he has nowhere left to go he has nothing left to to wield here and philly on the other side of this they're leaking that they want cap space and i low-key believe it i do too i do too like the question is what does joe and b think about taking a year to wait for cap space that that's it that's it so here's the thing though on that note i looked this up I went back, uh, basketball reference has an awesome thing where you can look at the standings by day, which is just like complete sicko shit, if I'm being honest. The fact that any, the fact that there was enough demand for a page like that, that it exists, is disgusting and basketball fans should be ashamed of themselves, but I used it. Um, first of all, last February before the trade deadline, do you want to know who was number one in the Eastern Conference? Speaking of people that might listen to this and feel depressed, You'll, you might know where I'm going if I say that. Number one well, in the like Eastern a, Conference in early February of 2022. Do you have a guess? Remember, Boston was shitty until like the end of the season, so it wasn't yeah. them. I'm trying to think of someone in our extended universe who would feel like really depressed. The Chicago Bulls were number one in the oh, East my oh. in early February oh, one God. year ago, uh, which is insane. But... That 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 feel that that's like that feels like that feels like a hoax. If I'm being yeah, honest, it feels like uh, that feels that. AI created a fake web page that I that I found. Uh, so shout out to Jack McMullen there. Um, but no, so uh, the basically the day that the Sixers traded for James Harden last year, they were 32 and 22. No Ben Simmons, and obviously Harden had not been acquired yet. They finished 19 and nine, which was really solid and. Gave people a lot of optimism, led to Harden sticking around and everything else. But I would say they're at least a little deeper with quality role players now, depending on how P.J. Tucker plays. And they, most importantly, have a better version of Tyrese Maxey. So, I like, there's this thing going around now of, like, is Harden actually going to stay? And I don't think that that means is Harden going to end up signing a four-year max with Philly and every everybody goes happily ever after into their... Uh, you know, ideal future. I think that just means Maury's willing to play hardball here and he just doesn't trade him. And if that probably leads to Harden just sitting out the season, I doubt he's going to play. I just don't, I'm not Joel Embiid. But if you could sell Joel Embiid on the vision of, you're good enough, big fella. We have a real backup center now in Paul Reed. And... Tyrese can score with you. The Anthony Melton's solid. PJ Tucker's solid. Tobias isn't going anywhere. Let's just keep winning games. We'll figure this James thing out later. And next summer, you tell us who you want. 
in free agency. Like that's not crazy. And so I, to me, if you're following here, this is a, a long, uh, yeah. a long timeline here, but if that kind of situation happens, I feel like the Sixers have two options here, which is get in on the Willard sweepstakes. Cause that would be kind of the only thing worth trading for, in my opinion, right now, maybe there's a Clippers deal that adds their depth. If they can get Terrence Mann and, like, I think Brandon Boston is kind of interesting. Amir Coffee, you know, whatever. Maybe there's some young guys on the Clippers that are worth it. I don't think so. I would say it's either Lillard, and you have to give up Maxi, or you keep Maxi, keep Harris, and you just roll the dice on cap space next offseason. And the guys available then are Pascal, DeJounte Murray, Jalen Brown, maybe Kawhi, maybe Paul George. It's not terrible. I think that's not a bad option if Daryl has a strong enough relationship with Embiid to be able to say, like, this is the plan for one year. Trust me. That's a lot of trust and a lot of ifs and a lot of, you know, another year wasted of Joel Embiid. But I don't think it's an awful plan if everybody's on board with it. Should also note that, uh, and I Google 2024 free agents. Yeah. Um, should also note that Anthony Melton's a UFA after yeah. the season. That's a that's a piece I think they would need to keep. So yeah, if they get rid of everybody but Embiid, Maxi, and Jaden Springer, who has his like fourth year rookie option that year, they could have sixty five million in cap space in twenty twenty four. If they keep Melton, it's like fifty, um, which isn't quite like two max slots, but it's like one and a half. And then if it comes down to it, you're probably getting an upgrade over to Anthony Melton in that situation. Uh, so maybe you do just get rid of him. But yeah. Uh, what do you think? Would you get in on the Lillard thing if it meant giving up Maxi? No, I wouldn't. I I'm a big Maxi believer. I think you're just like robbing Peter to p- play Paul, to pay Paul. Excuse me. Um, if you go that route, like you're just really making you're putting the goal should be to put less of a burden on Embiid. And if you get rid of Maxi just to bring in another guard, you're shortening the window a little bit, and you're putting and you're just raising the pressure on Embiid. And like that to me is not a sustainable way. And a year from now, you could be being like, Embiid's like, well, can I go to the Knicks? And Dame's like, well, Embiid's gone. Why am I staying in Philly? Like you just get in like a really tricky situation. Um, there, there, Brennan, there's actually something, uh, maybe a, a pod we should do before the season starts is I would, the Philly is one of the teams I would love to go back and just track their moves the last like six years. Cause there's just been so much like, because in some ways, Daryl is kind of untangling what Elton Brand did with like Al Horford. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and he's untangling the process. So it's like this whole web of things that is all built to this point. I think that might be worth going back through um, in, in detail at some point just to see where we get. Um, last thing here on the Clippers side uh, was all that I had. Um, I don't think that they should be in a hurry here either. No, because if they have the leverage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it feels right now like it, one, like their season's not going to rise or fall based on getting James Harden. Right? Like they just re-signed Russell Westbrook. Their season's going to be based on our Kawhi and Paul George healthy when it matters. History tells us probably not, but that's a separate conversation. They're not looking at this as like, oh, if we get Harden, we're the favorites. That puts us over the top. It's a nice addition. It gives them another star. It gives them more offense, but it's not going to be the end-all be-all for them. And so what hurry are they in to bid against themselves? Which is really what they're doing. I, who else would want James Harden? I, literally, I think that's actually a harder question than like who wants Tyler Hero or Damian Lillard or any of these other things. 
Like who in their right mind would trade things for James Harden when he could be a free agent next year, which is what he's cemented for himself. He's not extension eligible. He cannot sign one. doesn't matter what team he goes to or anything. He cannot sign an extension. So you're rolling the dice with one of the most volatile dudes in the league and you have to give stuff up for him. Who's doing that besides the Clippers? I agree. Um, he should have taken the three years, 160, whatever, from Brooklyn and worried about it later. That he, he has cost himself a ton of money. And it's, I, Brendan, I'm dying for the story about why Houston uh, suddenly just didn't want to get in on James Harden. Dying to like kind of understand where that came from. We may never know. I suspect it might have something to do with their head coach. Do you think they ever were? More than it does their ownership. I think I would suspect ownership was yeah. and the GM. I, I, I suspect, I don't know if Udoka was like, yeah, let me coach James Harden. That, that's for my, that would be my like thesis. That would be like, if I had to present like a topic and like make it like give you, you had to sell you on it, it would be that I'd, I'm not sure Udoka was like, yeah, that's the guy I want to help me reshape the culture here in Houston. That is fair. All right, let's move on to surprising free and moves. Brendan. I'm going to start with your team first, my number one. Eric Gordon, huh? Took not a lot of money to go play for the Phoenix Suns. They, The Suns quietly, I think, have had a really good, like as far as getting guys for really cheap contracts. I thought Eric Gordon could have got more money and been like a, like maybe not, maybe less of a chance to win a title, but in a really good position for himself and made like $8 million, $10 million, whatever. He picked the Suns. That's like a guy that could play in crunch time for them, or at least like bridge them to crunch time, can provide minutes if Beal misses time or Book sprains an ankle or KD misses time. Like it is, that's a great value signing for Phoenix and a caliber player I did not really think they were going to be able to get. I, I just, I can't believe this is my number one, but it kind of like blew my mind that he was like, yeah, I'm just going to go to Phoenix for like no money. I mean, the, the Gordon signing is great. I don't think. You can argue that. I mean, I, I thought, you know, maybe the mid-level at $12 million for Dallas might be what Gordon ended up taking. I'm sure there would have been some some mini mid-levels and some biannuals and all these different exceptions that these types of fringe, you know, older guys but still worth something make. I mean, unless you're Brooke Lopez and you just get an entire new bag uh, in your mid-30s. Um, yeah, I thought that's what Gordon was going to do, but I guess it shows that He's been around a long time. He's been in a lot of different situations, and I guess he really did just want to win. I mean, I guess, too, like that Houston situation of being on a really bad team, and he wanted out, and they couldn't trade him because they were playing hardball with value and whatnot. It feels like that maybe wore on him as well. So I would say that coming to Phoenix, playing a real role, and having a chance to win a title makes a lot of sense. But obviously, it's easy for us to all say, you know, giving up money is easy. I mean, do you would you start Gordon based on what their rotation is? They have campaign as a potential starter. They could go big and have, you know, a Kogi or somebody, Kato Bates-Diop, who they just signed. Or they could just get a little more kind of steady and sturdy and, and put the, the veteran Gordon in there. Would you start Gordon? Probably not, just because I think you're already skewing... You need some kind of defensive punch in that starting lineup. Like, it can't all be on, like, Katie and Aiden. So I would maybe lean more. And I think Frank Vogel might be like, can I start a Kogi? Can I start Yuta Watanabe or someone like that? Like, wh- I think that's the kind of piece. But I think he's a first guy off the bench, high-impact minutes guy. And it wouldn't surprise me if he closes games. Yeah. Um, I don't, So I don't think he starts, but I think he's absolutely in contention to be someone if they want to spread it out 
four shooters and eight on the floor and bomb away, that that to me sounds like a, a really hard thing to stop. Agreed. Uh, my first one, Chris Paul to the Warriors. Surprising move mm-hmm. number one. Um, to recap what that deal was, obviously Jordan Poole, in addition to a couple of recent draft picks, plus a 2030 first round pick in two seconds, go to Washington for Chris Paul. So the more that I thought about this one, Chris, I actually, the fit offensively and sort of what he might be able to bring to this team in a bench role made more sense to me because last postseason, you look at what they needed, what they were lacking. They turned the ball over a lot. They did not create kind of downhill offense and the non-Steph minutes killed them. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are all three things Chris Paul should be able to help. He's not going to get to the rim, but you could imagine him setting guys up, cutters, uh, you know, a, a pick and roll with Jonathan Kaminga in the second unit, for instance. Those types of things should help and work for them. Um, but the Warriors, to me, like one of their other bigger problems that maybe doesn't show up in the numbers quite as much is they really missed having size. Like that championship team with Bielitsa and Otto Porter those guys were important players for them, and it allowed them to not have to rely so much on Kevon Looney to play 40 minutes and just exhaust himself on the offensive glass and Draymond to be overextended as a, you know, you need to shoot type of guy. And so I would imagine like Wiggins probably bounces back. It sounds like they're going to sign Sharich, but mm-hmm. the real reason I don't like this move is that size problem. And it feels like we're back to square one a little bit with part of the solution to the rotation issues that they are inevitably going to have with how expensive this team is. And by not trading pool for a couple guys or, you know, whatever, not trading pool to get more flexibility to go out and sign a different type of player or re-sign somebody is it's going to make Kerr have to play Kaminga and Moody again. And I just don't know if he wants to do that. And that seems like we're just going to have another year of arguing about whether those guys are ready and what they should or shouldn't be doing in the rotation and everything else. So Chris Paul solves some of their problems. He's an upgrade over pool, I think, for what they need. But they have bigger issues that they didn't address with this trade that I think might still hold them back. It's also just going to be really weird to see Chris Paul in a Warriors jersey. Like, I don't think my eyes are going to be able to get used to it. Like, it's going to be Chris Paul... Like, anything he does in Warriors is just going to feel weird. Like, I, I thought that with the Rockets, too, at first. And, like, you know, like I think of him... When I think of him, I fir- I think of him in a Clippers jersey. Like, when he retires, that's what's going to go into my head. And then probably the probably the Hornets after that. Just because, like, that was, like, my youth. Sun's, Sun's probably third. But, like, the Warriors thing is just going to, like... It's just going to look weird. Like, I, I also can't picture, like, Harden in, like, a Clippers jersey. Right? Like, it's just going to, like, feel weird to me. Um... I, I also just want to see what they how much I, I think the other feeling out part process Brennan that I I just don't know how it looks and we've talked about this a little bit before. How much do they like Chris Paul just like be Chris Paul? Because he is like not exactly wired to play the way the Warriors do. That that is not like his natural like way of playing. But like you, I I would love to, like. Uh, people, there's a set, there's a set team to run called Double Drag. He said two players that staggered screens for a ball handler. 
Imagine them running that with like Stefan Clay is like Stefan Clay popping out and cutting off of that screen action and Chris Paul making the decision to what shooter's the most open. Mm-hmm. Like that's gonna that would be unguardable if they lean into some of the really weird stuff. But how much are they gonna like empower Chris Paul to like be be point guard? Chris well, so the Paul? question there, I mean, just like a cog in the machine. That gets us into the rotation question, right? One is, does he come off the bench? Period. Which there's actually he should he has he. He there's has been to. some stuff he that he to. might start, though. But either way, like even if he did whatever it is, he, if he's going to play with their best lineup, which would be like the death lineup with Chris Paul, um, that is such a small lineup. And then it's like, who do you bench? And it's probably Looney, but Chris Paul, Steph Curry, who are both, you know, small and competitive defenders, but not like, you know, that physical, that a bit, that, that much of a stopper by any means. Old Clay. Wiggins and Draymond. Like, who is that lineup stopping? Even with how locked in and keyed in they can be. I don't know. So it, but I like the idea of a bench lineup with Chris, Sharich. Those two actually had an awesome two-man game in Phoenix. It's kind of weird and funny that they're going to end up together. And then like Peyton, Looney, or Peyton, Kaminga, and Moody. Or something like that. That's actually kind of a fun idea as a bench unit. And I do think on the bench, they'll allow him to cook to your question. Like, I think when he's out there without the stars might actually be the time when he's kind of most empowered. But I am like you questioning the fit when he's on the court with with the starters. If you just look at it as like, did they upgrade over pool? I think it's a good move, but I don't think pool was the only thing wrong with the team. I think that's kind of the like the way I would put it. Bingo. Bingo, bingo, bingo. Brennan, you're very smart. All right, my number two. I you're my guy, Brennan. I'm gonna always just gonna gas you up as much as I can. Um, this isn't this is not so much a surprise for me because I think this is what it was coming, but it's I'm a little skeptical. The Lamelo Ball, huh? Uh, um Lamelo Ball got the max rookie extension. Um five years, two hours. By the way, just seeing the Yeah. Yeah. Uh Anthony, it's you know Anthony Edwards go up to two two sixty. I think balls would be um, that too. I'm sure it has the escalators in it if they get All NBA or MVP or whatever. I am just a little bit of a Lamelo Ball skeptic. I think he certainly has tons of talent, tons of upside, tons of ability. Has great size. I just am a little bit unsure that he is like we have seen him in a situation. And some of this is like the Hornets' fault, not really his fault. But it just feels like he is like a stat, like it's been like heavy stat guy, not like driving winning guy. And he's a horrific defender. Like I don't, I don't know about feel, a horrific defender. I, feel, I think he can be a fine horrific defender, if, or <laughs> a fine team defender. If you're <laughs> if you're like six seven with long arms, you should be able to survive on D. And he's like pretty fluid as a mover. Yeah, it's just I don't think he's I don't think he's gotten there yet. You know, last year I know thirty six games injury stuff, um, which by the way he played fifty one games as a rookie, played seventy five in year two, and then only played thirty six last year. Like, are there injury concerns with Lamelo? I I think that's fair to wonder. Yeah, last year rated out statistic like analytically is his worst defensive season for whatever that is worth. I I am just a little bit skeptical, and like, look, he's twenty one. He'll be twenty two in the, at the end of the summer. You know, you mentioned the size, the shot making, the passing is all there. I am just a little bit like, okay, like this is just like you've committed to this being your guy, and it's now kind of on him to help shepherd them in a different direction. 
And like, whereas like with Ant, I'm just kind of sure he's going to handle whatever nonsense the Wolves kind of put him in and he's going to make them great. And I think, think he's worth that contract. LaMelo, I just need to see that actually happen before I'm like, yeah, that guy's actually like a bona fide max player. Yeah, I, I would put I don't think that's in a unfair. different way. Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain, I would have similar skepticism that Desmond Bain is worth the money he got. As Desmond well for, Bain inspired far too much uh, Twitter debate. Uh, thanks to one Matt Moore. Uh, not not necessary. It's OK. <laughs> uh, LaMelo Ball, I'm, as boring of an analysis as it might be, it is also just something where it's the Charlotte Hornets and you absolutely yeah, cannot they have let that owner. guy walk. It just is what it is. You get anybody even close to that talented in the door and you pay them every dollar you can until they leave. I mean, that's just sort of what you have to do. Um, I think the defense, it's it's just, it's kind of a test of how are you supposed to evaluate the defense when a player is having to do things that they ideally wouldn't have to do on a good team. Right. So it's like, yeah. How can he be a good team defender when there is no team defense in place? Right. And like, maybe there's a little bit well, of but- optimism because they were notably as everybody has, has talked about who's mentioned Charlotte recently, like they were a great defense down the stretch of the season. Now it was like fake March and April basketball, but they actually locked down and there's some talent there to start to turn the corner. So maybe that helps, but um, I just think you got Clifford, pay. baby. Steve Clifford doing uh doing his thing. Um, and look, this, and look, hit this roster just real quickly, real quick is not particularly great either. Um, I you know I think it's pretty, it's kind of reprehensible to stay in the um, Miles Bridges business. I wouldn't feel good about that if I'm a Hornets fan. I understand, like you know, whatever. Maybe they trade him because there's now he just signed his. Offer sheet or whatever. Um, yeah, no, no trade the clause, roster's though, not ha- But when you sign that, so they're in a real mess. They, they, yeah. they had the their out was to not extend him the qualifying offer. They did it, so now Could they are in the bed out, of their get, own yeah. making. Yeah, should have got out of the business. You know, the the Hayward thing didn't totally work. You know, they still have Rogier. Um, we'll see what happens with with Brandon Miller. Uh, I that roster is not exactly helping Lamelo Ball, but uh, it's 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 on him more than and they, you know they missed on the Bunei pick. It feels like. It is on him more than anybody else to shepherd them into the future, and that's that's a lot to ask of of the mellow ball based on what we've seen of him so far. What's your next? Fifty one million in cap space next year, Chris. Maybe you know someone's coming to Charlotte. All right, my next um, one. Um. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. Speaking of places that people are unlikely to go, and 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 why you have to pay, uh, the Sacramento Kings, extending Demontis okay. Sabonis. For what is the extension amount is four years, one hundred and ninety-one point four million. I took surprise as 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 pretty negative, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, I think I think that's fair though. I don't think that's like unreasonable to think it that. So already twenty-seven years old, pretty durable, tough, like makes people better on offense and affects the game in important ways as a passer, an offensive rebounder, an interior scorer. But again, 27, not much upside to continue to improve, in my opinion. Can't space the floor. I think actually has regressed as a shooter, probably just from a mentality standpoint. There were times when the Warriors were leaving him open in the mid-range and he looked uncomfortable, whereas he started his career bombing threes next to Russell Westbrook. It's bizarre that he looks so uncomfortable shooting the ball. So maybe it can get back to to respectable, but I don't think he's going to be a good shooter ever. 
And he's one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Like there's just not a way to slice that positively. He has to play center because he can't guard forwards, but he does not protect the rim and, you know, doesn't switch, which goes back to not being able to defend forwards or or smaller players. And the Kings are just locking him in way above market rate. Like I don't think DeMontis Sabonis, if he had hit free agency is getting 40 plus million dollars a year. Maybe I'm wrong. Teams are always willing to to offer big deals. We just saw Fred Van Vliet get a bunch of money. But to me, it just comes down to like, there is a difference between appreciating the return to relevancy and rewarding the guys who kind of got you there and just overpaying for like the good vibes of a great season. And it feels like that's kind of what they did here. Yeah. And I was a little surprised. I mean, maybe just they found out, you know, Kuzma was going to get that offer from DC, maybe prefer to stay there. Maybe some of the trade options kind of fell dry. I, I know they brought over the, 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 that guy from uh, the early MVP f- to, to the team. And I, I know there's some optimism around him, but like, it's to me, this was signaled when they re-signed Harrison Barnes. That was like clearly the guy that I think if you wanted to go spend on an upgrade, even with banking on Murray's improvement, that was probably the spot that you would say, okay, let's let's pay to upgrade here and figure it out. Or you make a Beal trade or something like that. And obviously Beal dictated where he wanted to go in the in Phoenix. Congratulations to you, Brennan, for getting to cover just like an absolutely... Uh, you never have to do draft prep, I guess, for a no. long time uh, for, for the Suns. Like until 2030, it's like two presidential cycles. But I, I think like the Barnes thing was the signal that it's like, this is just going to be run it back season for the Kings. And that, that, that puts a lot of pressure on Fox to replicate what he did last year. That puts pressure on Sabonis, assuming his hand is healthy to kind of do it a lot of what he did last year. Yeah. This gets, this becomes like a really, really complicated thing for him to do for them as a team to do over and over again. Even if I like some of the moves, even if I, I would bank on improvement if I were them, it's not a lock that, that all just kind of works out. It, it, history, t- I don't think in any sport, banking on things just getting better year over year ever works. Someone's going to get hurt. You're going to have some stagnation. You're going to have an up and down roller coaster. So I think just assuming for, in their case, maybe they just felt they got put into the spot, but it's really hard to project out that things just won't figure themselves out. Well, here's the thing. So uh, Keegan Murray is going to get better. I'm not sure who else is. Maybe Kessler Edwards, like uh, on a minimum. Like I, I just, Davion Mitchell, if if he keeps coming along, but Malik Monk, Kevin Herter. Well, would you, well, those guys are Fox is. Can I just Fox is twenty five? Would you assume Fox is done improving in some way? I think Fox can get better. I also think okay. that there is a not zero chance that he had an outlier shooting season last season and might actually regress. I mean, the dude shot yeah, like fifty five percent from mid range. That's just it, that's uh, just 50, out of this 50, world compared to what he had been. So. That's that's this is this is a good point. So fifty eight point four percent on two pointers last year. He had never been higher than fifty three point nine before that. Um, and the year before, on twenty one twenty two, he was fifty two point four. So this was like a that's a significant yeah. He was leap seventy seven percent at the rim compared to sixty five the previous year, and fifty one percent for mid range compared to forty six the year before that. And he still doesn't hit his threes. Yeah. I'm not saying he won't improve, but I think that there's an equal chance that he actually dips back down as a shooter that he does get better. Yeah, especially because he's not like the highest volume free throw guy six a game last year. You would almost would want him to get to the line more, but to kind of maybe compensate for Mm -hmm. some of that, but that doesn't feel super there. I I agree with you on this. I 
the, what I would say with the Sabonis thing is I also kind of just get why they did it. I do under, like, I do get, it's like, I get all of this. I get all of the thing. Mo, there's not really, even if there's moves, Brennan, that surprised me or I don't get, I can kind of understand why like 95% of these moves have happened or why things have gone a certain way. I get why the Kings did the Sabonis thing. It's like, you reward the guy who I think is a big part of their culture and has really embraced being there, but it does also kind of put you in a spot. And I guess we also, I, I, this is another one of those stories I would love to read. Like after the fact, what it, how did the Kuzma stuff, did the Kuzma stuff just never materialize for them? Was there not a trade that materialized for them that they could use their cap space on in a certain way? And then they just feel like after, you know, not tampering, but, talking to two people before the frenzy yeah. open, did they just kind of learn? It's like, okay, we have to, we we don't have a choice, but to run this back. And maybe it's on trading Barnes in six months and to find our upgrade. Well, so I, I hear you on the, there probably wasn't a better pathway if all of that played out the way that it did, than just running it back. And like, we can, we can say, Oh, Grant Williams. And it's like, okay. I mean, at the end of the day, are you getting 2% better if you, bring in Grant Williams over Harrison Barnes. Like, I, I think you are picking nits at a certain point. So you're absolutely right. Running it back makes a lot of sense. It's not so much the issue. I, my issue is not that they use the cap space they created to get Sabonis. My issue is that they extended him for four more years beyond that. For yeah. 40 to almost 50 by the end of it, million dollars. That's the issue that I have. It's not giving the eight extra million this season, which makes perfect sense. Cause he was only getting paid $22 million. That is like not even close to all-star level bargain. Yeah. So I get rewarding him. They had money to do it. Why not? It's more the extra four years, 191 beyond that, where it's just like, I just straight up don't know if he'll be worth that. So I don't know why you would be in such a hurry. Why not do two years beyond this one, you know, or, or yeah. one or whatever, you know, something where you're still giving the dude a lot of money to reward him for what he did, but you're not, you're not kind of like trapping yourself into the deal. Um, we'll see how it goes though. I think yeah. the Kings are going to be good next year. I don't think it's a terrible handicapping awful move. It's just something they didn't have to do and they did it anyway. Yeah. For a guy that is like all-star level, but not like a lock to necessarily be an all-star year after year after year. All right. My last one, Brendan, it's very quick because, um, I just, I don't know what there's to, to say about it other than the fact that I can't believe someone didn't like give Austin Reeves more than what he got with the Lakers. Uh, he got four years, 56 million. That is, uh, I believe, isn't that, is that not less annually year over year than Rui Hachimura got? I think Hachimura Which, like, got make 51. Sense to me. But he got three. Yeah, over three. Yeah, over. you're right. But he got three. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So like that, that doesn't make sense to me. Reeves is a better player. Reeves is the third best player in the Lakers. Oh, yeah. He, he is. I don't understand how he got 456. I know he got a player option in year three. I understand he's an RFA and like the RFA market does suppress value for guys. I get all of that. Why did the Spurs? Why did the Pistons? Why did one of these other teams with cap space not just to mess with the Lakers? I do not understand. Like, like the Rockets? Like, why not? Why not just offer it, like them the money and just mess with the Lakers? They're going to match it. They don't have a choice. They're over a barrel. They've signaled for months they were going to match it. Maybe that's why. Maybe there's some agent relation stuff that like it's not like that. But I I just don't understand why a team didn't look at Reeves and say he's worth more than he's worth four for 100. Yeah. Four for 90 something. Throw in some backloading front. Do some stuff to make it a quirky contract. Give him a player option, whatever. And instead he goes back for the Lakers on a bargain. Good, good for the Lakers. Good for LeBron. Good for AD to get this guy back at a, at a really good price. 
I don't understand why he why the market for him wasn't higher based on how good we know he is. Yeah, he's making twelve million in year one. That's MLE it's money. Less, what are we doing? He's making less than yeah. the MLE. What are we? Yeah. I don't under, I, I I don't understand this. I do not understand how we ended up in a world, Brendan, where Rui Hachimura, who had a great playoffs, proved himself, acquitted himself. I don't understand how he ended up getting more money year over year than Austin Reeves. And when Austin Reeves is a better player who plays with the ball in his hands, who makes shots, who takes pressure off of LeBron James so LeBron doesn't have to grind himself into dust to help them manage the offense. Like that 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 is so valuable. Yeah. It's a really valuable skill set. And no other team was like, yeah, we'll take we'll we'll try. F it. Like the Pistons traded for Joe Harris, and you're telling me that they couldn't have executed that a couple of days later and said just throwing money at Reeves to maybe say hypothetically pay, play with Cade and at least mess with the Lakers a little bit. I, I don't. So get the this. Pistons one is actually my last one. So it'll it'll translate us or transition us perfectly. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is making more than both, which is also just a funny little part of this. I mean, Tra- well, that he he is he getting like is he if if we get like odds from and bet MGM like by the trade, like in October that it's like player most likely to be traded by the deadline. Yes or no deal has got to be like minus. Oh yeah. Odds, that's right? just, that's just tradable salary. I mean, the thing with speaking of Lakers salaries though, is like part of this. That's crazy to me is even if you know, the Lakers are going to match, which they signaled from the jump. And I have no doubt that they would, the Lakers are cheap. This is not a blow through the double, the second apron team. This is not a, you know, Golden State Warriors, Clippers, Bucks, Suns type of organization. Like, they'll pay the tax, but they this don't want to pay the repeater tax. This is a PPP loan team, Yes, Brennan. it is. Uh, and so, like, yeah, I guess if you're a, a team with cap space that was thinking about this, there's an easy reason why you maybe don't do it, which is, okay, they're going to match. But even if the only thing you get out of it is screw the Lakers a little bit and, and get them closer to the luxury tax. I don't know why you would not just do that. Um, it, even that makes plenty of sense. And we know teams have issues with the Lakers and rightly so they get guys on cheap contracts that, that could go elsewhere all the time. So why not screw them back here a little bit? I have a question for you. One target that I think evaporated before we get to the Pistons on the Reeves side of things. If you're the Utah jazz trade for John Collins or offer Austin Reeves an offer sheet. Trey, uh, offer Austin Reeves an offer sheet. I agree, but I guess that's a perfect illustration of the thing that teams were dealing with here, which is like, in the Collins case, you actually get a player. <laughs> in the Reeves case, you probably don't. Right? Because he's just going to go back yeah, to Yeah, and you, you, you control one and you... You, you control one and you don't control the other one. Yeah. That simple as that. Like you can control the trade to some degree. You can't control RFA. I mean, like we, and we've known Brennan for the last, however long that RFA just doesn't exist in the same way it used to anymore. It like, it's kind of like no man's land. If you, if you don't, if you're someone who goes into RFA, you're going to get squeezed financially. Just ask Grant Williams, who's probably going to go back to the Celtics on like a really cheap deal. It seems like at this point. Um, all right. Onto the Pistons. My last one here. I don't understand what they did whatsoever. They traded for Mon- they traded a second round pick for Monte Morris, and I believe they got two seconds and Joe Harris in order. And I think they just traded out cash in order to take uh, an expensive player off of Brooklyn's hands. It seems like the agreement there was, hey, don't sign Cam Johnson to an offer sheet because we're just going to match it have another forward shooter instead. We have one for you who's expiring. Take him. 
he's similar and don't ask us any questions. And the, and the Pistons said, okay. Um, one, I would have just offered Cam Johnson like a freakish amount of money just to see what happens. I would have too. And so that's like part of my, my frustration with it overall. As far as Monte Morris, I don't understand bringing in another point guard when they already kind of had too many. I mean, maybe, you know, it's an opportunity to not have to bring Cade along so quickly, but they have Ivy, they have Cade. Maybe Killian Hayes just isn't part of their future plan, so they don't care about boxing him out of playing time. I think Asar Thompson is probably somebody who will want some reps, at least, you know, as a second side creator, if nothing else. I, I get wanting a, an adult point guard in the room i just don't know if that guy makes sense to play and so like even like set aside the fit of individual players here because i think those guys will both help Mm -hmm. the team it's not even that they're bad players or anything harris and morris but i just kind of see this pistons team as headed toward the same issue they had last year where they hire monty williams that at the salary they did which brings with it like a pretty obvious pressure or momentum toward trying to win more and if you if you create that environment, you're asking the coach to play veteran players. I mean, we just saw Houston do an extreme version of that. But the Pistons didn't seem like they're willing to commit to it. So maybe I'm wrong and Monty Williams just plays the young guys and he's really ready to just kind of build the painful way and, and let those guys improve naturally. But it seems like what might happen, what I would imagine could happen, is he's just going to defer to veteran guys who are not very good all things considered, and they're going to be just kind of caught in no man's land where they're not maximizing development, but they're also not maximizing winning. And they're just kind of like spoon feeding Monte Morris and Bojan Bogdanovic and, you know, Joe Harris, a bunch of minutes to go, you know, 30 and 52 next year. And that feels like it would be a pretty big mistake if you're just trapped between those two options. So I saw the Pistons late in the season in person and I've, I it was one of the most helpless scenes of basketball Brandon that I've ever like seen in person in a long time it was miserable like they they had like no reason to be there it was clearly just like cardio and like I was like I felt really bad for Bojan Bogdanovic just like I know he got a lot of money but it's like what, what are you doing on this team uh, so I agree with you but I also wonder if the fear of fear of just being in that situation again and, and waste in not being in a situation where Cade is playing more impactful basketball and I, and, and Monty is not getting to kind of instill like competitiveness in them with vets. Um, yeah, that, that's tricky. All right, Brandon, real quick. Let's end on, let's end on one last thing. Team USA rosters out. Let's each give our bet. This was your idea. I want to give you credit. Best lineup team USA can run out. You go first. You want me to go first? You want to go first? Okay. I have two options in our planning sheet and I've decided I'm going to go with Halliburton Edwards, Ingram, Bridges, and Triple J. You got two big forwards. You got Hallie and, and Edwards to be big guards and creators. And Hallie can play off the ball. Halliburton can play off the ball of Edwards at times and do that stuff. And Triple J, I think, is the lock to be in these lineups. He has to kind of, He's the best center on the roster by far. He can switch everything. I think this five can switch just about anything. It's dynamic. It's athletic. It can play fast. Ingram and Edwards can be the half-court creators as much as you need just someone to get a tough bucket here and there. So to me, that's the one. The other one would have been Brunson, Halliburton, Ingram, Bridges, and Triple J. Or if you wanted to slide Bridges out and put Ann in, I, I could go with that option as well. All right, just for the sake of, of uh, 
disagreement here. You gonna put like you gonna put like Walker Kessler in here? So, oh my, you are maybe. okay. I'm gonna I, for the sake of consideration. Uh, your first one would probably is probably the most realistic. Halliburton, Ant, Ingram, Bridges, Jaron. Uh, side note: pretty risky for Ingram and Jaron to be playing in this thing, especially if they're going to be kind of workhorses like we think. Those guys don't exactly have like the cleanest bill of health, so I would be a, a little bit nervous if I'm their teams. I mean, happy for those guys representing your country is is dope, but uh, we'll see. Um, Reeves. Ant, Mikhail, Jaron, Kessler. I think that uh, Reeves is a better defender than Halliburton. And I like having Mm -hmm. size, especially in... The reason I bring this up, honestly, is not just to like be obnoxious, but they're going to be going against big teams. Gobert, Jokic... Giannis potentially depending on how things uh play out you know I don't know how good Greece is going to be but um you know Slovenia always has bigs Spain always has bigs so I think Kessler is going to play more than we realize I don't think this is going to be just Jaron at center for you know 75% of every game even if that's like the most NBA type lineup like they're going to need to play bigs and I honestly think Halliburton, I'm going to be really intrigued by him because he seems like a guy who some of these European guards that are just going to mash him, I could see him struggling, to be honest, because he's just, I mean, he's not a good defender right now, wh- whether we love him or not. Yeah, and he's, and he's kind of small. That's why I wonder, like, Brunson might get some of these in close games just because, yeah. like, I think Brunson's not going to get pushed around like that. He's bulky. He's strong. He can, he, guys... I'm not you know not a great defender either, but like a little more physically imposing. Uh, very excited for the World Cup. Very excited. Also, Kerr. Both excited for this one. Then the yeah. last one when it was just like Celtic Central, that sucked. Uh, and they lost. They yeah. got like bronze, it, right? Yeah, embarrassment. Uh, the other thing to remember is Steve Kerr's the coach. So like, even if you're dreaming up like a Halliburton Jaron pick and pop, like that's not how Steve Kerr's gonna play. So you know, <laughs> get ready to be frustrated by. He's just going to play like Cam Johnson 105% of the available minutes just to have a shooter uh, to do some split cuts. All, all of America is going to become Warriors Twitter just demanding that more Steve Kerr runs more pick and roll. Stop playing. Uh, good thing they actually only have one traditional center because Kerr would play three if he could. Should have got come on. Should have got like Draymond on this. Actually, team, quick question honest. as we close out. Uh, why why did Cat not play in this? I mean, Cat's already made. You know, he's already left the mark on the game, Brennan. What more does he have to accomplish? What more does he have to accomplish? I really was not trying to trash Cat with that. It was a real question, I, but I, maybe I, it is just the injury thing. It probably is, but it's also just like I don't know. I think I'd I think I'd rather have these bigs than Cat. You'd rather you made Can fun be, of me I, for including Walker Kessler, and now you're telling me you'd rather have him than Towns. A Towns Towns defensively internationally is just, would just get like ruined, like a know? high and dribble like, handoff, and Towns is just spinning around and ankle just broken in in game number one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let let Ant have a summer where he just can play with centers who aren't. Yeah, Carl Anthony just, Towns, who's like is a good player, but it's just like oh my, God. like the vibes around Cat for me are very. It's low. just like Towns could have easily taken the Porta spot, and everybody would have been for the better. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's just weird. That no, that that's that's probably true, but it probably is the injury thing. People you just know? ask like, why does T 
Team USA struggle to get centers every year. And every year I think about Towns and I'm like, well, we have one. And he just doesn't Wait, play in he, these um, things. And, and Bam played in the well, last no, one, no, but no, he's like 6'9". Actually, so. Well, actually, if I'm remembering correctly, isn't Towns tied to Puerto Rico? Or Dominican Republic? Yeah, I think he's not eligible. tied to the Dominican Republic. Huh. I think I... Yeah, I know he... Because he played for them at 16. Pretty sure he's Dominican Republic. He is Dominican. You're definitely right there. And I just assumed he would have been eligible for Team USA... But I guess, yeah, maybe yeah. you're right. He chose okay, them. Okay, so here, I, I so I Googled this, and he says uh, he wants to play for them at the at the World Cup. This was in March. He wants to play for the Dominican in March. That's what he said in March. Well, that would answer my question. That's what I get for not doing research. Well, well that's okay. That's why that's why my uh, pops into my brain, Brennan. That's that's where it goes. But yeah, there's an article on Anscape from 2017 uh, about why he turned on USA Basketball for the Dominican Republic, written by Mark Spears. Um, the first, can I read you the first quote? It's really funny. Then we'll get out yeah. of here. I know you got to go. This is the first quote in this. Uh, and like, I, I mean this, this is like a cool quote, earnestly. It's just very, it's just very funny. Cause it's about, it's about food. And it's just funny to me that this is like the lead quote in this story. I love a roast con pollo. I keep it really simple and plain to the point. My mom, well, RIP, makes some of the best chicken and rice. And I know why. She makes it how my grandmother makes it, and the recipe is passed down. There's nothing better than having some of mom's homemade cooking. That's actually very sad. It's just, like, funny that the quote is a roast con pollo. It is uh, a very, well, I'll, I'll keep it to myself. That was not going to be town slander. It was going to be slander of how articles are sometimes written, but I will keep that to myself. I feel like uh, Towns is a big family guy. I do get it. It is yeah. cool to be kind of the only one, unless you're Paolo Bancaro, who just said F you to the Italians. It is pretty cool <laughs> to be kind of the one, you know, superstar NBA player on your team. I mean, Giannis did it and different guys have done it. It sounds like Embiid might even go to, to France uh, over the U.S. So we'll see how everything plays out with the big men. But uh, I guess that does explain it. I just selfishly would like an actual center. So uh, let's just pray that Walker Kessler gets these reps in and he can be at like the next four Olympics. Mitchell Rod, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe get someone. You could uh, could you call that Mitch Rod? No, no. I mean, long term, or... my goal is is Chet. Chet's going to be our our seven foot yeah. big man in the Mobley. Mobley, sure. So it's really just wow. patience. Just we just got to wait it out. Yeah, needs need Chet to play NBA basketball. Need Mobley to get in the weight room and and get some squats in. All right, let's end there. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. Thanks again to Jake Seams and Dylan Heiser for producing. Thanks to our friends at Homage. Click the link below. Buy some for yourself and. The money comes back to us. Talk to you guys next time later in the week. Have a great 4th of July.